Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. this uh, I was saying to Etienne I had uh, such a frustrating time of preparation uh, for tonight and um, uh, this might be kind of like a newsflash for some of you but often I think our preparation times for message is just extremely frustrating you might think like it's angels singing and things like this. I'm grateful for the 4, 8, 12, 16 angels sitting in front of me uh, uh, you know in this middle section which everyone's avoided uh, uh, because it made space for them. But, the, you know, the, the, the preparation time is sometimes quite frustrating. I think I had six different messages on the go at the same time. <laughs> and while I was agonizing from this one to that one to this one to that one, eventually, like, I was busy with the one that I'm going to give you tonight, and I was like, this is, this is it. Yeah, this is it. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Because you don't just pull out something from a hat. I wish I had a hat like that. And then it's just like, this is what we're sharing tonight. It's, it's always a case of, God, what's on your heart for uh, the people that are going to be there? And then, you know, it would be beneficial to whoever listens in, and it would be beneficial to whoever gets the audio. But it's more about, like, God, what are you wanting to say to the people that are here? Um, naturally speaking, I don't know anyone who needs this message. So this will be, a, a, the, the Holy Spirit obviously then knows that there's someone here uh, uh, that needs this. And <clears throat> if you don't, then just humor me. Um, but you know, if we think about our purpose in life, like 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, it's not on the, the, the slides there, but it says that we're ambassadors of Christ. We're representatives of Christ, okay? And so as God's children and, and as His representatives who've got a purpose and a mission, like it's part of our um, job to be like Jesus. Okay, we are like Jesus, but now people need to experience that, right? So when we're out there, like, um, like our whole maturing process as believers is about conforming to the image of Christ. That's maturity. And so we know if we're mature or not by um, putting us against Christ and looking. I mean, Jesus said, what, uh, he said, the same works I do, you'll do, and also greater works. So it's like we should be looking more and more like Jesus. And I'm not just talking about power. Bam, you know, healing, bam. We're talking about other things too. Love, for example. And so there's a lot of things that, that you know, we're, we're, we haven't arrived. We're on our way. But there's things that we need to kind of from time to time just going to go, okay, how am I doing in this area of what have you? And one of the areas I was just thinking about in terms of representing Jesus well, um, which helps us to fulfill our purpose in connecting to people and ministering to people, is just the area of forgiveness. And so that's what we're going to be, be looking at tonight. Um, and, you know, just the whole thing of how forgiveness is such a major topic in our faith. So, you know, forgiveness of sins is kind of like such a cornerstone of the gospel that um, without it, what would we have? What, you know, we, cel- we love to celebrate that. And there's much more. But let's just look at it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 Uh, from the New Living Translation, says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? Another verse that's not on the screen is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, which says, Their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. You know, a lot of Christians don't believe those verses. Because of the way that we relate to God, we think He's always remembering, and He's always kind of holding it against us. But the Word shows us that He's forgiven. Okay? He's forgiven. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So this is showing us like He's forgiven. There's forgiveness available for everyone. Okay? And if forgiveness of sins is removed from the gospel, then the gospel's nothing. So this is one of the key cornerstones of Christianity which we celebrate and we're living in this reality of I'm completely forgiven. Okay, maybe you didn't do as much bad as I did and maybe Etienne didn't do as much as bad as you did or whatever. If you want to grade it like that, 
you're going to be disappointed somewhere along the line because all of us have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. So we all lack the glory, we all sin. So it doesn't matter how much you've sinned, you all need, we all needed forgiveness, amen? That's provided in Christ, and now you've got complete forgiveness. And the payment far outweighs the, the, the debt. So you can't, like, the, the, the sin that you have never outweighs the payment that Christ made. That's good news. Okay? God displayed His love to all of us via forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus' death, burial, and His resurrection, what we celebrated last weekend. So, you know, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to 10. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. <clears throat> And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Now that verse uh, puts it wrong, this translation, but anyway, we're not getting there. Verse 10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Showing us how much more we've got in Christ, but also how uh, the payment has been made even before we wanted it. Before you wanted forgiveness, it was offered to you. Isn't that cool? The stupid thing you're going to do this week, there's forgiveness available for it before you did it. And that shouldn't drive us to sin, but it's just, there's so much freedom in that realizing that, wow, God loves me that much. That, I mean, the payment was 2,000 plus years ago, right? <clears throat> and so the payment had to far outweigh whatever's going to be done for the next 2,000 years. So it's like whatever you're going to do in your life is paid for, obviously. There might be consequences in this life between people, but there's no consequences spiritually. There's no consequences between you and God because you're living in this realm of forgiven. Okay? Matthew 26 verse 28 is not there, but it says, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, uh, for many for the remission of sins. It is there. Okay, so the, the, the remissions of sin is talking about a release or a taking away of the penalty of sin. So there's still sin in the world. Okay, some of you still sin this week. Not Etienne and I, obviously. Yeah, now we all make mistakes. We all mess up. Okay, but the penalty of that is taken away. And that's the reality that we're living in. That's good news. This is the message which we want to take to people. It's like, you're forgiven, receive it. Because the forgiveness that we, that's offered to us in Christ does them diddly squat unless they believe it and receive it. If they don't receive it, then they don't experience the release from the penalty of sin. They're going to experience the penalty of sin. But because we've received Christ, we believe we're forgiven. We're free from the, the penalty of sin. <clears throat> so, in light of this, this is the, 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 the angle that we want to go on this is, we're instructed to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And, and think, so think about it. We'll, we'll get into this in a couple points, and I assume we'll only get finished this next week. But <clears throat> He forgave us before we wanted it. That's pretty big. So if we're forgiving as Christ has forgiven, then we should forgive before the other person wants forgiveness. That, that, that's a big deal. Okay, let me look at a couple of verses. Uh, Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So now, now like just, just, just think about your heart. Think about your life at the moment. How often are, we, are you like this? How often are you kind to others? Not just the people you like, but the people you don't like. How often are you tender-hearted and forgiving others? You know, someone only needs forgiveness if they need forgiveness. That's deeply profound. But it is, it's important to realize that someone only needs forgiveness if they've wronged you. It's easy to say, I'm, I'm, it's easy to forgive when you don't need to forgive someone. But as soon as someone hurts you or wrongs you, you know, then, uh, uh, uh-oh, like now I actually need to put this into practice. Okay. How often you know, are you, you, you kind of just letting go? Forgive, forgiveness is really just releasing someone from the dead that you feel they owe you. 
Whether they do owe you a debt or whether they don't. Whether it's in your mind or whether it's actually legit. You know, because sometimes we, 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 we have unforgiveness towards someone and it's unjust. But sometimes we have unforgiveness towards someone and it's 100% just. Colossians 3, 13 to 14. In the Passion puts it nicely. It says, tolerate the wickedness of those in the family of faith. Let's just pause there for a moment. <laughs> How many of you are wicked? Yeah, don't put up your hand. <laughs> but we'll point at them. One, two, three. <laughs> like, that's what the Bible is saying. It's like tolerate the wickedness of those in the family of faith. Forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. That means there's going to be wickedness in the family of God. <laughs> It's very unfortunate that the Bible taught that, that, yeah, that this is going to happen. You know, whether the Bible said it or not, it happened. I can give you a long list of wickedness that's happened in Grace Life. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of um, a situation. I'm trying to figure out how to dress it up. <laughs> but like I, this one time, this, this one individual, uh, uh, like you love everyone in the church as the pastor. You, 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 you get close to everyone. You think that everybody's your best friend. Like that's kind of how you treat everyone. And uh, we've spoken about it as pastors because it's difficult then when someone's just like, I'm going to another church or cheers. Because it's like, but I thought the relationship was deeper than that. But that's how it should be from our side. It's not always like that from the other person's side. But there was this individual like that. Very, very, very nice guy and everything like this. And um, he asked me, came and said, he, he needs, I think, two or three people to do this kind of job. And uh, I don't think any of you except maybe Etienne was in the church at this time. But he was like, um, uh, uh, this is the kind of job he needs. And I said, well, there's two individuals that I would highly recommend for, the, for this job. The one guy was looking for work. The other guy had a job, a nice job, a good job. Okay. And so he said, great. And I connected them with each other. And then they were kind of ca carrying on with the deal. And all three of these guys are friends of mine. Okay. In the church. And then the, the guy who was looking for work, I think he, he wasn't interested anymore, so he kind of got, job, got work or something. And the other guy was sitting with his resignation letter according to the conversation he had had with the, the guy offering the work. And he phoned me and he's like, I don't know what to do because I can't get a hold of this guy and I'm ready to resign today based on the conversations we've had. And I, I, I was like, well, you better get hold of him and just confirm everything if you're unsure about it. And then he eventually got hold of him and the guy was like, no, 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 like, back, like backtracking big time. And this guy all, almost made a massive decision, which would have affected his whole family. And that guy eventually like disappeared, meaning he never came back to church after that. Someone that we considered a friend. And so in those moments, kind of like it's wicked. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> it's wicked. But we all have to kind of like forgive and say, you don't, you don't owe us anything. So, if he was to walk into church here today, it would be like, so awesome to see you. Because in my heart, I've dealt with that. You know, we've released that. It might have taken a while, but we've dealt with that. That's what we're talking about, is there's wickedness in the family of faith. But we're encouraged and, and admonished and instructed to forgive. The same way we've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone... Release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is the supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of maturity. I love that last part. Love becomes the mark of maturity. So how do you know if you're mature? Are you loving people? How do you know if someone's mature? Are they loving people? Not just loving their friends, but loving those that are difficult. Loving those that really need love. Yeah? Hurting people are hurting people. Right? Hurting people are hurting people. What are you trying to tell me? It's weakness, not goodness. Wickedness. I like wickedness. <laughs> weakness. Thank you. Tolerate the weakness. It's wickedness. <laughs> In my notes it says wickedness, but there it says weakness. Yes, that's right. But the point is, it's like it's weakness. And then there is sometimes even wickedness in the church. Yes. But we need to still forgive that. I mean... With, the, with regards to weakness, that's what it is. Maturity is immaturity is weakness. Okay? I thought you were telling me I had something on my mouth here. And I was like, it's too late now. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> love becomes a mark of maturity. So if we want to be mature, we've got to, start, we've got to learn to love. 
Okay, Peter explained that when a believer refuses to forgive, he's short-sighted and he's forgetting that he was once forgiven. That's pretty big. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 9 says, But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, if we look at that, it's like when we choose to remember where we've come from and how much we've been forgiven of, it's easier to then forgive other people. You know, I, 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 I hope it's okay, I use this example that your, your brother gave me the other day, Etienne. But um, the, 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 one of his brothers, we were talking to him, and you know, he was angry at the truck driver that killed his brother. He was angry. And I was amazed because in the same moment, you could see the love of God coming out of him. Because at the same time he said, but that guy also just made a mistake. It wasn't malicious. And he straight away went, you know, in the heat of the moment, kind of flipped to shame. I wonder what he's going through. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you know, but it, like that really impacted me. That's huge. So, you know, we need to realize that we're forgiven and because of that, we can forgive others. The, the believer has no right to bear grudges. You know, we, we need to refuse to hold on to issues that, or, or things that we have against others. We need to let them go. Um, because, well, these things that we're holding against each other, what do they do? They cause a breakdown in relationships. And as a family, like, that's not going to help. You have a breakdown in a relationship that's it's going to cause a disaster. Especially in terms of the mission. See, the enemy is going to try and wedge his way between us in relationship to be able to stop us from doing the mission. <laughs> One of the, 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 the campuses at, um, was, was going through, um, when it had just started out, was going through a lot of issues like that. There was all these, these issues, interpersonal relationships. And I just said to the pastor, I said, listen, I was like, please ignore all of them. <laughs> I was like, I, I won't tell you what they called it, but I just said, just leave all of these issues and just keep going on the mission. Because this is just trying to prevent you from reaching more people. And it's like the pastor's job isn't to try and sort out your issue with that one and this issue with that one and whatever. We should all be maturing and then we just deal with those things. Okay, but the enemy tries to use these things to cause us to stop living on mission and bearing fruit for Jesus. You know, we're taught to forgive one another. Look at uh, Luke 17, verse 3. Take heed to yourself. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns against you, saying, I repent, or again to you, saying, I repent, that thou shalt forgive him. So Jesus is saying, forgive. Just keep forgiving. Don't stop forgiving. But what about? There's no but what about. Just forgive. And if you're struggling with that, God doesn't hold it against you. All you need to do is look at how much you're forgiven, how much God loves you, and it'll start to flow. You know, this, this is an instruction from Jesus before the new creation was ever, ever a deal. Before the new creation came to, to be. Before anybody could be truly saved. That's what I'm saying. Okay? And then you look in the, the epistles, the letters of the New Testament, where it's written to new creations. It's written to Christians. And in the, the letters of the New Testament, we're told to forgive without condition. We're told to forgive without condition. I was sitting in a counseling situation some recently, and you know, the, the, um, uh, it was just unforgiveness. And so explain this is what forgiveness is and this is how it's going to look you're going to have to stop saying but they need to own up to this and but they need to do this and you're just actually going to have to drop it and say i completely forgive you and then we can move forward you know and and, and that's difficult in terms of sometimes what people have done but that's forgiveness god didn't come to you and say okay before you receive salvation i need you to explain to me why you x y and z and you need to be very sorry. In the Bible, there's no indication that you need to be very sorry before you accept salvation. Isn't that amazing? I've, I've read salvation prayers many times growing up to be saved again and again and again and again. And all of them are like, I'm very sorry, Jesus. Jesus, I'm very sorry. There's nothing like that in the Bible. 
We don't have to be very sorry to get saved. Okay? You were very sorry. <laughs> you were a piece of sorry. And now you receive Jesus and you become the righteousness of God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Look at this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So this is really the governing principle for the new creation. This is our governing principle as believers. Okay, this isn't something that should be difficult for us. It should be something that is our nature. Because Jesus is our nature, our new nature. Jesus is forgiving, so it should be easy for us to forgive. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 onwards from the Amplified, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God, copy Him and follow His example as well-beloved children. Imitate their Father and walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another, as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. A slain offering and sacrifice uh, for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. So having said this, whenever someone hurts us, or we hurt by the actions of people and we, we refuse to deal with it in love, we fall into an offense. Okay? Offense. And offense brings a whole lot of twins with it, or triplets or whatever. Like, like that brings a whole lot of baggage with it, let's just say that rather. Um, because it's, um, it's, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to run amok in our lives if there's offense. You know, offense is, uh, any believer in, in a state of offense is really not doing well. You know, how do you know you're offended at someone? I'm pretty sure you can just ask people close to you and they'll tell you if you're unsure. <laughs> you know, and it's easy to get offended, but we should be like, it should be like water off a duck's back. It just kind of like, you know what, it can't stick. I'm not going to allow that to stick in my heart. At times we, we might claim, I'm so hurt and bitter, I don't know how to forgive. Okay? If you've ever said that, then I'm going to bless you now. Um, if we say things like that, then we're saying we're not a Christian. Because a child of God finds it easy to forgive. Maybe not an immature child of God, but a child of God has the capacity to forgive and so as we mature, it should become easier and easier and easier. And I know all of us have many people in our lives who can cause us hurt, harm and evil and can, can cause us uh, offense and cause us unforgiveness and things like that. Okay? I want to say maybe as pastors we have more than them, but I don't think that that's maybe true. Okay? But we have those opportunities as well with the wicked people in the house. <laughs> With the weak people in the house. But the point is, is that we, we, we're able to forgive. All of us. It's, it's, it's not impossible. Yes, throughout the Bible, we're instructed to walk in love. Not just with friends and people that we like, but with everybody that we come into contact with. And not everyone's going to love you. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to... You're not going to get along with everyone, but you can live peaceably from your side with all men. Okay? So let's look at Ephesians 5, 1 again. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God, I'm not going to read the brackets, as well beloved children and walk in love. So look at that phrase in the second verse, walk in love. Walk is implying conduct, the way that you live. Okay, so we need to live a life of love. We need to walk in love. This is the initiative that we need to take as believers, living in love. The believer can walk in love because love is our nature. Love is who we are. We've been born of love. And you can't forgive if you don't love. You can't forgive if you don't love. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So we've got this love of, of, of God in us. And I love that, that word there. It says um, shed abroad. If you go look it up in the Greek... It gives you the idea of gushing forth. So it's like a, it's, think of Niagara Falls or um, Victoria Falls. Think about that kind of gushing. Not just a fountain, but like an overpowering uh, a force of water. If we submit to the love of God in us, that's the kind of power we're talking about. 
That's the kind of force we're talking about. It's huge. Galatians 5, 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Love is in the believer's spirit. That's what this is saying. Love is in the believer's spirit. It's in his nature. That last part is my notes, not the scripture. Okay? So this is part of who we are. It's a byproduct. The fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of having the Spirit. You've got the Spirit. Now you love. Okay? A byproduct of an apple tree is an apple. And some shade, if it's big enough. Okay? But there's byproducts. There's natural consequences to whatever. There's natural consequences to you. Huh? <laughs> you know, um, your essence is wherever you are, whatever that means. You, know, you bring your personality and your smells and all that. So <laughs> the believer must go out of their way to walk in love. And it should be easy for us, but we must go out of our way to be like Jesus. Okay? The word imitators in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, is basically saying to mimic. So you know, we won't be told to act like God if we're not like Him. We're not trying to be like Him. We're like Him. So now it's just imitate Him. Be like Him. Because you are like Him. Okay? The word children in, that ver uh, in those verses is implying offspring. Because we're His offspring, we can love because love is in us. Love is in He is love. We're born of God, which means we are love. Okay? So we must not walk in offense. We must ensure that we keep ourselves free from offense because as long as we've got offense, we're going to have problems in our lives. So let, we're going to look at what, what offense would do to us, some of the effects of offense in our lives. Because I believe that maybe even unknowingly, some of us in the room would be experiencing the effects of unforgiveness and an offense. And we wonder what's going on in our lives, but we haven't linked it to the fact that, hey, there's this thing that I've got in my heart that's actually affecting me. So, you know, when we are offended at people or churches, we, 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 we don't see what God is doing and we start to walk in dishonor against the plans and purposes of God. I'm going to say that again. When we're holding offenses against people or, or churches or anyone, we, we, we stop seeing what God's doing. Because we're focused on the wrong thing. And we start to walk in dishonor against the plans and purposes of God. Why? Because God's plans and purposes are never offense. His plan is love. It wasn't because God was so offended at the world He sent Jesus. It was for God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. So we should never leave a church in offense. We should deal with the offense and then work through that offense and then we leave when God says leave or it's time to go or whatever. But we don't leave because I'm just offended. You know, because God might still have planned that that church bless you and you've just cut off the blessing of God in your life. How many people have come to us and they're like, God's told me to be at this church. This is my church. And then you're like, praise God. And then they get offended or they don't like something and so then they like, leave. And you're like, but I thought God said that you should be here. You know what that individual's done is they've cut off the blessing of God. We can't bless them. And God had something in us for them. It's the same thing with relationships. If we get offended at people, a friend, an associate, or whoever, it's kind of like, and we just cut, cut them off. Like sometimes you can't stay connected to everyone. Granted. But sometimes we cut people off and we're cutting off the blessing of God that God had for us in that individual. And if we had just worked through those issues to receive, uh, to be able to have relationship, we could have been blessed. It could have been awesome. You know, I, I kind of have this attitude of, I'm not going to burn bridges, I'm going to let other people do it rather. So I'm going to build a bridge as much... Uh, when, when you, you, you come one day if you want to leave. You come and, and tell me you're leaving the church. I, I've got my standard answer. We're going to miss you. Because we will. And I follow that up by saying, if you ever feel God's calling you back, you're welcome. Because it's true. That's our heart for you. Like, if you ever want to come back, you're welcome. But the offended ones are offended at you even saying that. <laughs> so they don't usually come back. But the truth is, is like, we want to build bridges, not burn bridges. Okay? 
So let's see how deep offenses can get. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, the Messiah, or do we, wait, do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and, go and show John against Shoe John against those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So that's odd, isn't it? <laughs> Why would John say this about Jesus? He questioned Jesus' ministry. He told his disciples... Yeah, and by doing so, he created an impression in the hearts of people. But think about it. If we, if we hear what John said earlier on in the Gospels, John chapter 1, verse 29, he says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him, it stayed on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remain on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy, uh, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So this is John's testimony. Before he was offended, John was saying, Hey, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who is coming. And then a, a little bit of time later, he's offended at Jesus, the Bible says. So when you're offended, you don't see what God's doing. When you're offended, you don't see what God's doing. You leave the church that's blessed you, and you call them names, or you break up in relationships, friendships, and you start talking bad about someone. You know, that wasn't the testimony originally. Wow, I love this church, it's being a blessing to me. And then all of a sudden, the whole story changes. Yeah, John must have felt bitter about something. Maybe about Jesus' style, Jesus' words, Jesus' actions. If we look at it, you know, uh, Matthew 11 verse 2 says he heard of Jesus' ministry. He heard of Jesus' ministry. Okay, how often have we reacted to things we've heard and then it causes offense? We've heard about something and it causes an offense in our hearts. You know, John questioned teaching. Many times... And unresolved issues, if we have unresolved issues, our emotions obviously involved and we start getting agitated. We start getting aggravated. It's like um, the poking. You know, we're being poked. <clears throat> so the point is, as things go wrong in relationships, right? Has anyone had something going wrong in a relationship? Yeah. Okay, two hands up at the back there. Uh, but we all have issues in our lives with people. Yeah, what goes wrong, uh, wrong in a relationship? Pause and think about it for a moment. I'm going to give you some categories of different relationships where just from the word we can look and see things going wrong. Number one, between a pastor and his flock. You didn't think of that one, maybe. <laughs> it ended. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 2. Look at this. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. And being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will, I will not spare. And then verse 10, therefore, I write these things being present, uh, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord has given me to edification and not to destruction. So he's, he, there's an issue in the church and he's trying to deal with it. Okay. There's an issue and he's trying to deal with it. There's also issues between fellow ministers often. Okay, Acts 15 verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas 
took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. So, you know, they couldn't agree on the way forward, so they split ways. Okay, this, this kind of thing happens. Then you also have issues, and this is where all of us have experienced something. You have issues among believers. First Corinthians 11 verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there'll be divisions among you and I partly believe it. <laughs> so it's kind of like Paul saying, I don't want to believe it. I hear that there's divisions in the church. I don't want to believe it. But I hear that I can partly believe it. Because he knows them, obviously. So the point is, is like there would be divisions among us. What does is, what is a division among us look like? Think about it for a moment. Yeah, myself and Etienne, as uh, maybe the, 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 the central go-to people in the church, hear a lot of the, the, the divisions in the church. And it's kind of difficult to, to sometimes be in the middle and deal with it because, you know, as pastors, it's, it's, we're just connect, trying to connect with everyone. But then you've got people who won't connect with each other. And, you know, that's why you guys are sitting on this side and you guys are sitting on that side. <laughs> because you don't want to mix with each other or whatever the case is. You, you get issues like that. And if we don't have issues like that now, you know, someone's going to come next week that we're all going to have issue with. <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> the point is, a whole lot of apostolic teaching. Paul, Peter, John, that a lot of their teaching dealt with love, dealt with forgiveness. A, a, a nice um, King James word, forbearance, you know, among the believers. You know, many of us, in, in, <laughs> I was thinking about this this week, that, that in the church today, nowadays, doctrine is underrated. Doctrine is underrated. Most believers aren't interested in having healthy doctrine. What are they looking for? A topic. They're looking for a teaching that's going to bless them in terms of what they want right now. That's not godly, I'll just say it. The godly approach is understanding what the Bible's trying to communicate to us, and then we need to adjust ourselves to what the Bible's communicating. But what most people do, most believers, is they're looking for, you know what, I need this, let me find a teaching on that. We're not just opening the Word and going, what is God saying to us right now? And some of the things that we would start listening to aren't evil and they aren't wrong, but we, we tend to camp where we want to camp. Instead of enduring teaching and just understanding good doctrine and how to study the Word and all of these kind of things. You know, many people's testimony of our ministry school is that they, they, they're hearing a lot of things they don't want to hear. <laughs> they would rather hear something else. And it's like, you know, it's systematically arranged so that you get a big picture. You know, we want to hear about maybe the prophetic, or we want to hear about uh, 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 finances, or you want to hear about healing, or whatever. And those are the things that we tend to chase, but there's actually more important stuff than that. Imagine that. Anyway. So, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says... Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to renew our minds to make sure we're not entrapped to the world's way. That we're not entrapped to the world's idea. That we're not mimicking the world. Okay? If, if we aren't renewing our minds to how God deals with things and how we should deal with things, we're going to start responding to things like television does. Like whatever program you watch on Netflix does. You know, whatever's teaching you, you know, that you're watching, it's like, you know, uh, that's why the only reason you would slap someone in an argument, the only reason is because you saw it on TV. Because you don't see it in the Bible. <laughs> so you had to see it somewhere. Maybe you saw someone else do it, but where did they learn it? Where did, you know... It, it, it wasn't in the Bible. It wasn't in Christ. So it shouldn't be in you. Okay? Are you slapping people, Jamie? We are... Here's a nice word for you. We are to be circumspect. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly means carefully. So we need to be living carefully. We need to be living carefully. If we're not living carefully, we're fools. Okay? The believer 
misses out on blessing when the believer is offended. And you know, when I, when I wrote that, the first, my first response to my, my own writing was, that's not grace. Of course I've got the blessing regardless. Uh-uh. You cut off the blessing of God when you're offended. God's not withholding. The blessing is available, but you've moved your focus, you've hardened your heart, and you're working with the devil. And because you're working with the devil because of your offense, you're not working with God, so how can he bless you? He's trying to bless you, but you're going, uh-uh. It's like a conversation I had with an individual years back. <laughs> so this individual was um, supposed to have a, an interview for a big job opportunity. And I can't remember if it was on the lip or if it was on the eye or what, but they had an allergic reaction to something. And that part of their face swelled up like a balloon. And they were like, how am I supposed to go <laughs> to an interview like this? And I laughed, <laughs> which wasn't the best thing in the situation. And I said, I'm sorry, you know. Um, and I, I tried to help them, let's go you know, to the pharmacist and whatever. And the pharmacist said, you know, you need to see a doctor. I can't give you anything for that. And then they were like um, even more angry. And then in the car that, that, that when I was trying to help them, they said to me, um, uh, uh, they were just angry. And I said, you know, that's just the way the, the cookie crumbles. This is life. It happens. Like, you've got to learn to deal with problems that just come up like this. And they said, well, whoever designed the cookie should have done a better job. <laughs> so then I got a little bit adventurous in my conversation with them. Um, I don't do it often, but I started saying very boldly, you know, you can't expect to experience the blessing of God if you're running in the other direction and going for, towards the devil. I was like, how on earth do you expect God's blessing to be evident in your life if you're not living for Him? Everything, decisions, you, all the decisions you're making, whatever you're doing right now is in the opposite direction. So don't blame God. Blame yourself. Yeah. Mic drop. So, Mark chapter 6, let's look at this, verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this uh, which is given unto him? That, they, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, his own family, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about the villages uh, teaching. So the power of God ceased to work because of offense. So if you're not seeing the power of God at work in your life, do a little bit of introspection. Father, am I offended? Is there bitterness in my heart that's holding me back from experiencing all that you've got for me? We don't like that because then we're, we're to blame. We kind of, reasons for, 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 for why the power of God's not at work in my life. Everyone else. <laughs> God's withholding. It's not my time or whatever. But then, you know, it's never me because I'm perfect. So offense causes strife. That's one of the things offenses does, right? None of us are in any offense or strife. So, you know, this week you can go and instruct some people on this. Uh, but look at this in James chapter 3. Strife is of the devil. But if you have bitter jealousy or envy and contention, rivalry and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom is... Um, is not such as come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, or animal, even devilish, demonical. For wherever there is jealousy, <clears throat> envy, and contention, rivalry, and selfish ambition, there will always be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of 
evil and vile practices. So that's why we want to avoid strife and offense. Amen? We need to refuse to be bitter about your ex-whatever. Your ex-church, your ex-pastor, your ex... I want to say lover, but I'm trying to think of a different word. Your ex-spouse, your ex-whatever, your ex-anything, your ex-company that you work for. Refuse to be bitter about the former. Let go and move on. Okay? No matter how logical it is, we must never hold a grudge. Because sometimes it's logical to hold a grudge, but it's, not, it's, it's, it's illogical if you look at the, the word. An offense is like poison. It's going to destroy you. That's its purpose. If you want destruction, hold on to the offense. It'll also destroy people around you. Okay? We need to be careful about people who are offended too. Because they'll destroy you. Even if you're not offended and they're offended and you're hanging out with them. You know, look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companions, communi communion and associations, corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. So don't hang out with people who are offended. If you love them, tell them to deal with themselves and get rid of the offense. And then you can start fellowshipping with them again. Because if you keep fellowshipping with them, it's going to infect you. Because what does an offended person want to do? Always talk about the problem. And then it's going to affect your heart towards the problem. The person, usually. And then you have an issue with that person because you've heard all this rubbish about the person, whether it be true or not, and it doesn't help anyone. Nowhere in the Bible... This is going to bless you. Are you ready? Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that in order to deal with your problems, you should talk about them. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that if you have an issue, you should talk about it. <laughs> they, oh, this, this kind of takes away church counseling altogether. Praise Jesus. It takes away the need for counseling because it's like, pray. It instructs us to pray. Be discipled. Be dis being discipled is not talking about a problem. It's growing up. So, having said this, we need to note that offenses also lead to dishonor and disrespect, even of sacred things. We can easily become offended. You know, so, I want to finish off this, this section on John the Baptist. He was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, Jesus said. You know, Matthew 11, verse 10. This is the one of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who shall make ready your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen any greater than John the Baptist. You know, he was greatest because he got to point out this is the Messiah. He got to point out this is the one. Okay? And um, his revelation was the greatest. He acknowledged that he needed to become less and Jesus needed to become more. He acknowledged Jesus, who Jesus was. And he did continue to decrease while Jesus continued to increase. But then he was imprisoned. Okay? He was imprisoned. And Jesus' ministry became more popular. He drew bigger crowds. There was a lot more going on with Jesus than there ever was with John. Okay? And John was still in prison. He couldn't do the things that Jesus was doing. Okay? And um, to make it worse, Jesus wasn't criticizing Herod on behalf of John. So there, there's a potential offense in there. Yeah? John was agitated, and he, the limelight was gone, the focus was gone, and now he's just in prison. And he remembers how he baptizes Jesus. He remembers that they're cousins, Jesus being the younger cousin, a small boy. He's thinking, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? You know, after all, I was born of a miraculous conception as well. My dad was a priest. So, I mean, there could have been a, an offense there. Matthew 11, verse 2. Now, when John was in prison and he heard about the activities of Christ, he sent a messenger by his disciples and asked him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we be expecting a different one? So, when we're offended, we begin become critical. You know, we, we, we speak so of, uh, of men who, we, we, like people who helped us, we start to pull them down. People who've ministered to us and loved on us, we pull them down. Okay? 
We don't uh, treat people with honor like we should. We don't celebrate the progress of others. We're jealous of it. Matthew 11 verse 4. And Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you, you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed by healing, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news, the gospel preached to them. And blessed, happy, fortunate, and, envi- and to be envied is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth. You know what this is showing? Is that offense reduces us or, or, or kind of causes us just to be brawlers or just fighters like we're just going to argue and we're going to we kind of just live in this place of uh, uh, criticizing and shaming everybody and all of that but we're called to walk in love we're called to walk in the spirit you know there's, there's examples in the old testament which i'm not going to get into but romans chapter 12 verse 18 says if it be possible as much lies in you Live peaceably with all men. That's what we call to. As much as is possible. So if you're immature right now and you can't live peaceably, God's not expecting you to. But He wants you to grow up so that you can. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14. Follow peace with all men. Not just some. All men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. So we're to avoid strife. We're to avoid anger and bitterness and speaking evil. We're supposed to build relationships, not break them down. Okay? We have to do all that we can do to stay in peace. Think about that person that really irritates you right now. Some of you got someone in mind. That's, a, that's good. <laughs> yeah, what, what you need to do is that person should never know that they irritate you. Or that you irritate them, or whatever the case is. The point is, it's like we should love people so much that they don't know that we're actually struggling with them. Now you're wondering, does Shane struggle with me? (laughs) Maybe. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is needed in all relationships, not just marriage. All relationships. In church, out of church, all relationships. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3. For ye are yet carnal. For, where, uh, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? So strife is for someone who's not born again. That's nice, isn't it? (laughs) Strife, unforgiveness, bitterness is not for a believer. It's for someone who's who's carnal, someone who's an unbeliever. Because Galatians 5.24, They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? It goes on, James 3.15, I think it's there too. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every work. So even though you might be making worldly sense in having unforgiveness, in holding a grudge, and whatever, and people might applaud you for what you're doing in holding a grudge or unforgiveness or whatever the case is, you need to realize that it's ungodly. Offense is never godly. In closing, I want to say one or two things here. What's the, the only way out of offense? Imagine I just left you without that. That would be something else. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, if you can find it there, Lucas. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound... Yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So only our love and walking in love can keep us free from offense. Only love. Only walking in love. That's Philippians 1 verse 9. So we must have a love walk. A lifestyle of love. That's what we're aiming at. Okay. How do we do that? We need to experience the love of God. We need to live in the love of God. Okay. Some practical things that we need to do in dealing with offense. Okay, number one, never get carried away 
with the present, with the experience, with what's going on, so much that you forget who you were. Because sometimes we become so self-righteous that I can't believe they did this. And you're forgetting about everything that you've done in the past. And sometimes you've even done exactly the same or worse. And it's not about grading it. It's about, hey, don't forget that you were a sinner who needed salvation and you were forgiven. Don't forget that as far as the east is from the west, you're also forgiven. And that other person deserves it as much as, or doesn't deserve it as much as you do, and does deserve it as much as you do. Okay? That's a, a, important for us to, to consider. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is blind, spiritually short-sighted, seeing only what is near to him, and has become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. So we hold on to the mercy of God really by a thread. How, imagine that. Okay, None of us can be self-justified truly. We're only here by the mercy of God. Okay, We were an offense pretty much. And now we're not. Now we're accepted in the beloved. So keep your heart in check. Keep your, your, your right perspective of yourself in the situation. Okay, uh, Paul did this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He says, Who before, where am I? Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, uh, and, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace, unmerited favor, and blessing of our Lord actually flowed out super abundantly and beyond measure for me, accompanied by faith and love that are to be realized in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and true and worthy of full and universal acceptance that Christ Jesus the Messiah came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. So never forget who you were. Okay? When it's all said and done, we all needed forgiveness. Okay? We all needed forgiveness. Then the second thing I would encourage you to do practically in dealing with offenses or unforgiveness or whatever it is as it comes to your mind is pray for the person who offended you. Pray for them. Okay? We've been taught to, you know, a lot of places they teach you to hold the grudge and to kind of... <laughs> we had a great example one day in, in church, some of you remember it, of a testimony where, where, where someone was praying uh, that the person that they didn't like in the marketplace, God would take them out. That was shocking. I didn't know what to do when the person said that testimony. So I closed the service. And the next week I commented on it because I was so shocked that someone would pray there. To be honest with you, okay? A lovely lady, she loves Jesus, we love her, but she needed to grow up a bit there. Unfortunately, I didn't know what to say to her after that. <laughs> but the point is, is she was celebrating when, when that guy got fired because of her prayer. You know who's working with a prayer like that? The devil. God doesn't work with a prayer like that. That's a believer working with the devil. Okay, so we need to pray for those. You know, Jesus said it, Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The only way we can do that is by receiving the love of God and flowing in the love of God. Okay, there's a lot more I can say on that, but I want to uh, 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 give you the third thing before I finish off here, and that is display acts of kindness to the person who offended you. Now, I, I like calling this even operating in the opposite spirit. So if they're coming to you and they're like angry, then you're not angry. You're patient with them. If they're coming and they're hating you, you love on them. Okay? Romans chapter 12 verse 17 to 21 from the Amplified. says so down a couple there. Romans chapter 12 verse 17 to 21. Thank you. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought of what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, requit, uh, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For if, I don't want anyone to offer me coffee after this. <laughs> okay. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome 
Master evil with good. So, overcome evil with good. When others hurt us or offend us, it's an opportunity for us to show them the love of Christ. That's Christianity. That's what we call Christianity, is loving people when they are unlovely. Okay? So, pray for them. Okay, don't forget who, the, the three things I would encourage you to do is, firstly, don't forget that you needed grace, that you needed mercy, that you needed forgiveness. Then, pray for the person who's offended you and bless them. Do something to bless them. If I've offended you, bless me. <laughs> bless me with money, whatever you want to bless me with. Just come and put it in my pockets. I promise you, the offense will leave. Because... <laughs> You'll be out giving your offense. Amen? Last verse there, Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2 from the message. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He did not love in order to get something from us, but in order to give everything of Himself to us. Love like that. You know, this is in essence who we are. We are love. So loving people would be forgiving people, releasing them. And for some people it might be a process. And the process isn't determined by how bad the offense was. The process is determined by your maturity. How much are you holding on to it? Or how much are you willing just to look at Jesus and go, Okay, it's not worth holding on to this. Because it's destroying my life. It's, cause, it's an infection which is causing me not to in, in, enjoy and receive the blessing of God in my life and experience His goodness. Amen? Amen. So Father, I want to thank You that as far as the East is from the West, that's how far You've removed our sin from us. I thank You for forgiveness. I thank You that You're not remembering our sins anymore, our wrongdoings. And we just celebrate that, Father. And from that place, we thank You that we can forgive others, Father. We thank you that you know, we don't have to think about them and what they've done. We think about you and what you've done. And it's easy to love. It's easy to forgive. It's just a case of taking our eyes off of the hurt and putting it onto you. And Father, I know that there would be some here today that are struggling maybe with offense or bitterness or whatever. And I know that they are, 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 are struggling maybe to just release the, peop the person or the people who've hurt them of that debt. So, Father, I thank you that they would just be overwhelmed right now by your love, by the memory and the, uh, of how much they have forgiven, of the memory they would just start to realize and be refreshed in the fact that they are free and how much you've done for them, Father. That they take their eyes off of the offense and look onto the cross and look at what you've done for them. And from that place, Father, I thank you that love will flow in the form of letting it go. In the form of blessing those who need to be blessed. That are hurting us. Thank you, Father. I just want to give a minute. Just a minute. If, if there's someone that comes up in your mind that has hurt you, I want you just quietly in your heart just to pray for them. Just speak blessing over them. And just in your heart to say, Father, I'm blessing this person. I, I'm praying that it would go well with them. And I'm just speaking blessing over them. I'm releasing them from the debt that they owe me. And I just thank you, Father, that I can be free from this burden right now. Just, just, just pray in your heart, in your own words. And just, if you're struggling to do that, then just ask Him to help you. Because that's what He does. He's called the Helper. The Holy Spirit is your Helper. Father, I thank you that as debts are released, we're not talking about money, we're talking about debts of hurt, debts of offense. I thank you that as we're releasing people and we're blessing them, I thank you that there's going to be blessing flowing in our lives, in this room. That where there's been blockages, I just see that there's someone here, there's a big offense that you're holding on to. And you didn't realize until tonight that that might be the thing that's just causing a bit of problems in your life. And I just feel like the Lord's just saying, you're letting that go and you're going to see something happen. Something's going to change soon. Because spiritually, something's changed. Spiritually, something's shifted. You thought that wasn't an issue, but it's, it was an issue because it was holding you down in your heart. It was consuming you. And I just feel like God's saying there's freedom now for you. 
I just speak a release over you right now and freedom over you to enjoy all that God's got for you, to enjoy the abundant life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.